Welcome to the Portland Pentecostals podcast. We're happy you've decided to join us as we build a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. It's going to start in Isaiah chapter 6 tonight. And this is, I, I think... Sometimes I, I forget the context of this scripture because you look at the numbers, it's Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. He's been going for a few chapters already, so Isaiah is already kind of into this. He's already been called as a prophet. He's already been speaking the word of God. And in Isaiah 6 uh, chapter 8, he ta- he's talking about this experience he had in the temple and he saw the, the, the glory of God fill the temple and, and he ha- saw the angels doing things And in verse 8, he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, sorry, I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, and they're going to have the King James Version because that's what I gave them. Just enjoy all the flavors. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. God puts out this call to ministry for us. And that's not just the, the list that, you know, for a long time there was a, a, maybe a short list that uh, people thought of what ministry was. It had to be a, a preacher or a missionary or it has to be, a, you know, certain, it has to be someone on, on the platform. That's not what ministry refers to. And, and we'll talk about, we'll get a, a definition here in a minute, but God puts out that call for ministry or for serving Him. And He's looking for someone who will respond that way. And, and it's Tuesday night. I, I see all of you often. I know that you're, you're already in a walk with God. You're already, um, you've already made some commitments. We're here. We're, we're together. And so I want to remind you that ministry, whatever ministry you find to be involved in, that's the realization of your God-given potential to change lives. That's the place you can stand in the gap. You can be the bridge for someone else to reach Jesus Christ, and that is priceless. So it might be the first time or it might be the 40th time. I hope to inspire you to say to God again, here I am. Send me. Put, put me in the place that you want me to be. And hopefully, if you're currently involved in ministry, you'll be encouraged. You'll be reminded why you do what you do. And if you aren't currently involved in something, I hope to motivate you to find an area to serve. Thank you. You can, you can be seated. Thank you for standing for that scripture. I'll, have, I'll let you know to stand up for the next one, and then we can... No. <laughs> It would make sense to do it, but I'm not going to make you do it. Uh, like I said, a, a Tuesday night tends, tends to more mature audience. Uh, that one wasn't planned, sorry. More mature Christians. At least in some ways. We've decided to walk with God. We, we've decided to join together with other believers and, and be part of this. Um, 
And that leads to some expectations that, that God puts on us, actually. Um, everything that grows naturally gains maturity. It grows up, right? It gets bigger. It, it, it fills out the space that was designed for it, uh, that was contained in, you know, the seed that was planted, that the plant grows to, uh, if you ever look on the seed packets, right, they'll tell you, well, it grows to six to eight feet tall and it grows to three to four feet wide. And I think they exaggerate a little because they ain't never done that for me, but you kind of know about the size, if it's well taken care of, about how big it's going to get because that's, that is growing from a, 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 a young plant to a mature plant. There's an expected course. So artificially keeping it small is unnatural. It indicates a problem. The plant's not getting something that it needs. It's not developing the right way. So we say that the, that growth is stunted. It's, it's held back artificially. Uh, so that's why in Hebrews chapter 5, starting at verse 12, the writer is, is saying, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. He's talking to a, a group that is stunted. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So he's, he's laying out this course that as we mature, it's expected. We'll get more discernment. We'll get more ability. We'll be able to relay what we've received on to someone else. So that scripture is not to tell you that you're babies that need milk. That's to show you there's a course that's expected. As we mature, God begins to expect things from us. Another place it says, you know, to, to um, he who has been given much, much is, is, will be required from him. That as we mature, expectations come along with it. So one of those expectations is that we'll be able to handle more and more over time and begin to serve. This is going to sound familiar if you've taken Thrive class with me. So just if you did, before you turn your ears off, uh, there, I added stuff. There's more stuff. Keep listening. There's... Several words in the New Testament that are translated as ministry. But all of those words tie back into the same concept. They're all about uh, being a servant or, or serving. So I like words, so I'm, I'm going to read them to you. Diakonos means a servant or an attendant or a minister. Or if it sounds like uh, an English word you might know, that would be deacon. Um, that's where we get the word deacon, it's, and that's translated as minister. And the next one I thought was very interesting is liturgos. And it has a specific, it means servant, it means to serve, one who serves. But the, the connotation it took on with the Greeks was of a public servant, and the expectation was that they discharged a public office at their own expense, that they took on the responsibility and they met that need and they, they went and got whatever they needed to do it. It came out of their, their pocket. It came out of their ability. 
So I'll propose one way that we could define service, and that is doing things that benefit others more than they benefit you. I mean, if I, if I do something that you like, but really I'm getting most of the benefit, I did it for me, right? But if I do something that mostly just benefits you, that, that's for you. I'm serving you. I'm building you up and, and helping you. So given that all of the words in the New Testament for ministry, and there's a few more, but they all relate to, they refer more specifically to serving in a particular way or, or offering a particular service, then I would say that ministry done right is something, it's not something you pursue because it will enrich you. But it's something that you're willing to do despite what it costs you. I'm not starting a subscription service. I'm saying that ministering doesn't always feel like, yeah, I want to do this today. I, I'm, I signed up for this because I'm ready every day. Uh, my wife and I are about three, or uh, lost our ability to do math. We're about one year into having three kids. Our brains have changed. Our lives have changed. I don't think we have any fewer ministry commitments. I think we have more, actually. And after I've chased down all three kids and strapped them into their seats, I don't always feel like driving to wherever we were going to drive and, and doing whatever we were going to do. Don't always feel like preparing for that ministry, but that's what makes it ministry. That I'm going to serve God. I'm, I'm going to do something that He put in my life to do. He gave me the resources to do it. It's ministry done right. It's something you're willing to do despite the cost. Amen. See, God isn't, God isn't really impressed by how much talent we have. And that makes a lot of sense if you think about where your talent came from. Because he gave you your talents and he gave you your abilities. But also, talent isn't what he lacks. Our talent isn't what he's, he's angling for. He's not impressed with how much talent we have. He's not impressed with how much money we give. He's not impressed with how good our outfit looks. They're all nice things. That's great. But what God gets impressed with is our attitude, our approach, our willingness to serve him. In Mark chapter 12 and verse 41 this describes a whole afternoon of people watching, by the way, as far as, as, far as I can read it. Uh, Jesus was in the temple, and verse 41, he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And the, the footnote on it is, many rich people put in large sums ostentatiously. Look how much I'm giving. I'm such a good person. And no comment. In verse 42, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, 
this poor widow has put in more than all those who were who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance but she out of her poverty has put in everything that she had all that she had to live on see some of the people were just willing to give some extra in order to look good some of the people were just willing to to be there to make an entrance or make a statement and it wasn't bad what they were doing but what was impressive to God Jesus sitting there I'm going to say it was all afternoon and he's watching this parade go past like I said there was no comment when he saw the people that were just there for them when he saw the people that were were just uh, maybe going through a, a, a rote motion it he didn't say anything to the disciples. He didn't make a remark about how much it was or how shiny the, the coins were. What he remarked on was, hey, she's really, she, she believes in this. She, she's really taking what is meaningful to her and putting that in my hands. She gave out of her poverty everything she had. This sermon isn't, isn't about money. It's about everything I have in here. Everything I have in here. Am I giving it? Am I serving God with it? Because he's going to be impressed with the attitude, the willingness, and not with what I have to give. Because what I have to give may look all sorts of different ways. It, it, may, um, it may not seem to me like it's something even worthwhile at times. But the the point of it is that I've got the right attitude. I'm willing to give that to God. And God calls us. But ministry starts not with God starting something in, in us, but with us Starting, starting to put something into his kingdom. See, ministry, ministry starts when I give it a push. God gave me the ability. God gave me the resources. But first, I put into it. We won't go to the, the reference, but it's in 1 Kings chapter 17 if you want to go look it up. Uh, this is in the middle of a, a drought, in the middle of a famine, in uh, the, the time of prophet I almost said Isaiah, Elijah. And God told him he'd been taking care of him in one place, and he said, he stopped taking care of him in that place, and he said, all right, get up and go. And he sent him to a town called Zarephath. He said, behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So he got up, he went to Zarephath, and he showed up, and he found the woman that was supposed to take care of him, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm the prophet. I'm, I'm here. And she said, well, I don't, know, I don't know what you were expecting, but I only, got, I only got a little bit left. I got enough to make one meal for me and for my son, and then we're going to die. We got nothing more. We got no way to get more. This is all I got. So it's our last meal. And he said, okay. 
well, make one for me first. Based on the other stories, I really I picture Elijah saying it that way. So, well, make one for me first, and then we'll worry about the other stuff later. Give something to God first, and then we'll work on the other stuff. And so she does, and she goes, and she makes a meal for the prophet and, and looks, and there's enough meal and there's enough oil to make for her and her son, and so she does, and she looks, and there's still some left because God continued to give her resources. Once she put in, once she began to serve the prophet, God made a way to provide for her. And then he made a miraculous way to provide the next day and the next day. And he made a, God made a promise that it wouldn't run out. And it didn't run out until the end of the drought. God continued to, to take care of her. But her, her action was first. She took the step first. You know, I mentioned a minute ago, good, my wife stepped out. She won't, she won't know I make this joke. <clears throat> I mentioned a moment ago, you might feel like what you have to give is maybe kind of odd, maybe kind of oddly shaped for ministry. Maybe the, way, the thing I can do to serve God isn't, isn't conventional, or I, I don't think I'm quite up to it, or whatever. I saw a sign, well, a picture of a sign. It was Discount Tire Center. And it said, we have tires, all shapes and sizes. <laughs> and then the last line gave it away and it said, okay, not all, size, uh, not all shapes. I didn't have any way to verify, but I'm pretty sure they don't have tires this big or like bigger than the store either. So the whole sign's a lie, really. <laughs> but if you're buying a tire, it's going to end up a certain shape, right? It's for a particular purpose. God made you for a particular purpose, and it might be kind of odd shaped. But he has that in mind. He has that purpose that he needs to fulfill. He's put you here for something. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 talks about this uh, in, in the context of, or in the analogy of a human body. Starting at verse 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the Spirit we were all baptized to one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Noses are funny looking. Not just yours. <laughs> Hands are funny looking. 
Your right hand doesn't look like your left hand. Your right foot doesn't look like your left foot. They don't look alike because they're not made for the same thing. But if one of them decides to leave, you don't have that function anymore. It was intended to be there, and now the body can't perform that function. You want to have as many of them as you can keep. Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Because the capabilities of the whole body exceed the capabilities of any one member of it. All the pieces put together make up more than any one of them or any subset of them could do on their own. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honor, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. We're made to balance out. We're made to end up as one whole thing, as one whole body that goes in one direction, accomplishes one purpose, serves one God. All put together and all going in the same way. Verse 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So that body is going according to the, the plan that God has for us to go and reach our world and, and to go and to, to bring more into the kingdom of God. Being part of that body of Christ means it, it involves service. It involves serving people outside of the body of Christ and involves serving people inside of the body of Christ. And all of that is service to God. In fact, I would argue that all of that is, is worship to God. Yes, is. Fulfilling the purpose that he's made for me, that is worship to God. Whenever I step into that divine order of things and I, I step into the place that God has put me, I'm giving worship to God because I'm saying, yes, you are right. This is what I am for. I'm going to follow your plan and I'm going to go where you want me to go. My kids have these toys. They're all, it's this, this the alphabet. And then they all unfold into robots because how else are you going to get kids interested in the alphabet? So they unfold into these little robots. But then, you take the robots and you fold them in a different way and they start to fit together. And then you make a giant alphabot out of all of the alphabet robots. And they think it's so cool, because it is. And that's the only way you get the big robot is you gotta fit them all together. You gotta put all the pieces together, otherwise it's just a bunch of little ones that you scatter around and you lose three of them. Sadly, no, that would have been great. I'll refer you to their uh, ideas department to, to have to do it in order. Uh, but they don't fit that way. They don't, they don't fit together the right way if you do it in alphabetical order. You've got to do it in the order that the manual says. That's great. Thank you for adding that. 
And some of the parts of our body that are totally unseen, maybe unappreciated, and in fact, I know unappreciated, uh, are critical. As any, any of you that have torn an ACL know that you're instantly without a leg, and, and for a long time, probably. So it, it's something you never see, you never think about. It's all internal. You don't, you don't appreciate it until it's gone. But it is a critical piece. Without it, the whole body feels the missing member. So God gave us each a shape to fill. He made us a member of, of the body, and he has this expectation of us. Matthew chapter 25 You can look up later, verses 14 through 30. Talks about a man that was going on a journey. Someone who owned a, a, a household, probably a, a great deal of, of land, enough that they had staff. They had servants that managed it for them. And he distributed uh, money to be managed. He gave talents to these different servants. He gave one five talents, he gave another one two talents, and he gave another one one talent. We don't know if the talents were gold or silver or, or whatever they were. It was, it was either, it was probably a, a year's wage or so was a, a talent. If it were gold, then it was, it was astro an astronomical amount. And he gave it to them and he said, he entrusted it to them according to their ability. He said, here's my property. Now you manage it well. Take care of it. And then it went away for a long time. And two of the servants did what was expected. See, one of them took it and he, uh, he invested it. He did some kind of business. He went out and he hustled. I don't know exactly what he did, but he managed to take five talents and get five more talents, so he ended up with ten. And the one that had received two talents, he got two more, and he ended up with four. You can all pass kindergarten now. And the one that had received one talent had a different approach. Because he took this wealth that had been entrusted to him. And he went, and he found some place on the master's land, and he dug a nice hole Maybe not with his hands. He dug a hole and he, he set all of that wealth down into the ground and he covered it up and he pretended that it was going to be safe there. And eventually the master came back and he asked, hey, what would you do with my stuff? Where's my stuff? And one of them came back and he said, hey, I doubled your money. Now you have ten talents. And the master said, great, well done, the good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. He'd already been managing five people's uh, uh, salaries, annual salaries, uh, and, and doubled it. And the master said, oh, that was a little. Right? So there was, a, there was a lot of potential. There was a lot of places to go. And the one that had doubled two talents into four came and he said, I, did, I, I, I made two more. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And the one that had hid his came and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man. 
You reap where you didn't sow. You gather where you didn't scatter any seed. And I was afraid, and I, I just hid my talent away. And it's safe. This is every penny that you gave me. Here it is back. Everything that you gave me, I kept it, and nothing has changed. And that was a bad answer. The master said, you are a w- wicked and slothful servant. And he, he, he cast him out. And it, it, was, it was the end of his career. It was, it was, he was no longer under the master's protection. He had only taken what he had and just preserved it and tried to not, to not go anywhere, tried to not, to not uh, lose it. The expectation Jesus is trying to express in, in the, the parable is, I gave you all the resources that you have so that you can go and use it for me. Turn it, turn it into something else. Take what I've given you and reinvest it back into my kingdom. Later on in the same chapter, he, he says the, the king will, it's Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. He's saying, the things that I've given you are to be used to serve. They're to be used to minister. Because God doesn't need, God doesn't need my investment of time. He doesn't need my investment of, of talent or finances in order to take care of his kingdom. God is self-sufficient. But he's given me a purpose. And he's given me the ability to participate and to reinvest in his work. So I do find sometimes that I'm tempted to be the one with one talent. And I want to just take what I've got. And I just, I just want to hunker down. And I don't, I don't want to think about things. I don't want to be involved in things. I just, can I just keep what I got and not, not touch other, other stuff? But I can't reach the purpose that God has made for me that way. I can't use all the resources God has set aside for me that way. I can't get to the, the heights of what God has planned for me that way. And I can't, I can't have the fulfillment of being invested in his kingdom if I just hold on to that to what I have. I know that it's natural to, to, to take, to need a rest sometimes or to heal sometimes. Um, but oftentimes service is the last step of, of being able to, to um, step back into a full um, stride of life, of, uh, of the last step of healing. You know, a wound that is closed off from the flow of blood will never heal. When a, a certain parts of the body are, are badly wounded, if you, if you manage to, to nick, you know, ephemeral artery or, or something, and that is left untreated, you'll bleed out. So you have to, 
restrict the flow of blood and apply a tourniquet and, and close that off for a while until it can be treated properly. But what happens if you leave the tourniquet on? There's, there's, no, there's not going to be a leg, right? The, the blood is completely cut. If it's completely closed off, the limb begins to die. It gets gangrenous. It gets necrotic. That blood flow is required to mend the wounds. That us taking action, us putting our resources into God's kingdom, that, that keeps us from getting stagnant spiritually. That, keeps, that lets God's spirit flow through us and, and keeps, our, uh, keeps our problems from just festering, keeps our minds from, from getting kind of clogged up with just thinking about our stuff. I start to think about God's stuff and things clear up and things look a lot, uh, things look a lot more hopeful when I'm letting God minister through me, when I'm serving him. John Shedd said, a ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. I was not built to just try to grab on to what I can and hold it. I was built to constantly hand on, hand off, rather, what God is handing to me and what God has given to me. If I am, if I'm dealing with something, I find that if I will pray for someone else, if I will speak the word to someone else, if I'll participate in the ministry that's going on in the church around me, then the Spirit of God moving through me heals my spirit, helps, corrects my attitude and my mind. See, even though we don't engage in ministry to get something out of it, sometimes ministering to others is how God ministers to you. So here's some ways that we minister around here. We create a clean, a safe place for people to gather. We maintain the grounds. We maintain the building. There's sound biblical teaching for our children every week, uh, and hopefully for our adults every week. Someone else will be here on Sunday. Don't worry about it. We sing. We pray uh, and pray. We sing uh, uplifting. We sing and play uplifting. Uh, Worship music, praise music. There are prayer meetings that we participate in. There's focused gatherings like the men's breakfast, the um, ladies' Bible study on Thursdays, the youth service. There's hyphen outings. There's Bible studies. Um, I think right now we have a lot of people willing to teach Bible studies, and I don't, I don't see a lot on the board, so we've got to get that. But another, that's a, a great way... I think a Bible study is a great way to not be so intimidated about stepping out and, and serving someone else. It's a way to sit down with a resource, the Bible, and you talk through it with someone. You can, you can begin to serve. You can begin to minister to someone else. And the great thing about it is if you don't know, you say, I don't know. Let's go find out. Uh, and if we can't figure it out, we'll ask somebody. Um, there's our ushers and our guest care team that serve us every week. There's our AV team, which is the most important. <laughs> There's always a need for service. No matter what shape God has made you, no matter how God has put you together, whatever ways you're able to serve. <coughs> in fact, if you're able to serve in a way that we don't have a job description for, we can come up with a job description, I'm sure, I'm sure that we can, because there is always a need in every church, in every location, 
There's a need for people who will uh, step out. They will use their resources according to the way that God uh, made them. And I have good news and bad news about this. And that's that you decide why you are doing something. You determine your attitude. So you can, you can decide whether uh, you are fulfilling what, what God has made you to do or whether you're in the middle of drudgery. You can decide whether your attitude is, is great or not great. And it is uh, within your power to, to shape your perception. If you would stand with me. I'll, I'll, just say if, just encapsulate a few things about ministry and then leave you with prayers for this week. See, ministry is using our God-given resources to fulfill the purpose for which God gave them. It's worship to God. And ministry is the realization of the potential that was infused into you at your creation. Serving God is the basis of your God-given identity and purpose. That's true of every believer. It's the greatest use of your talents and abilities. Will you say, send me? I'm here. I want to I do something. Or I... I want to I want to give in the right attitude. I want to give all that I can in the things that I have committed to. You'll join me. Let's pray this week about how you can answer God's call, whether it's a big commitment or a small one or a new one or a, a worn out like an old coat or something visible, or something basically invisible that you forget about until you break it. God has made a place for you to serve. And my, my goal is to motivate you and to challenge you about where God does want you to be involved and, and where you can be involved to serve his kingdom. Let's pray uh, real quick before we go. God, thank you for the way that you've made us. Thank you for the way that you've joined us together. Thank you for... Uh, all of the opportunities that you've given us and the resources that you've given us. God, thank you that we can buy into your kingdom. We can invest in your kingdom with our, our time and our talent, with our attention. Thank you that we can serve others and be part of this. So we can be fulfilled. We can fulfill the purpose that you created us for and for showing us how we can. I pray that you would speak to each of us this week and that we would pray about uh, how and where you want us to be involved and, and the opportunities, the doors that you're opening for us uh, and that we would continue to develop the, that attitude and uh, the attitude of obedience and, and willingness, of cheerfulness in, in giving ourselves to your kingdom. I thank you. I pray that you be with us. Keep us all safe as we drive. In Jesus' name, amen.